Ladies and gentlemen, today's Warner Archive Collection podcast is a special one because we have a special guest in the studio, and he happens to be a celebrity within Warner Brothers, and he's also a colleague, a treasured colleague, that we have had on the podcast before. Yes. And he's back to share his wisdom and expertise with us, Mr. Jeff Briggs. Welcome to the Warner Archive Collection podcast. Boy, do I feel very special over here today. For those of you who haven't heard Jeff on the podcast before, Jeff has been with Warner Brothers now for over 25 years. Just over. Kudos on the silver what, anniversary. Yeah, what, what do you, did did what you get do you a get? watch? Yeah. Yeah, we'll see next year because they'll, okay. they'll, they'll, they'll have the, the ceremony. ceremony yeah. Yes. I'll let you know. Now, Jeff has a regular job here at Warner Brothers, which is really remarkable, and I will let you tell the audience what that is. Well, I'm in Global Archives, and I've been in various archives throughout the studio in my career here, and mostly now I'm dealing with the photography of the studio. I've been dealing with that for over 15 years now, and uh, making sure that all of our photography is scanned, goes into uh, our our digital system, and is available and scanned from the highest possible uh, original source that we have. Jeff Jeff is the one who says it's okay for us to use the photos that we do online and on our Blu-rays. He also finds remarkable photography and then as a sideline he writes really spectacular pieces yeah. that you can find on the warnerbrothers.com website yes. about particular motion pictures in our library. So he's a man of multiple talents but when it comes to the Golden Harvest library that Warner Brothers is very honored to own a part of, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. It is my great joy to call upon Jeff's incredible knowledge of Golden Harvest and its library and Hong Kong cinema as our resident expert of said cinema, because this is one area where I am not an expert at all. I am a student, and he is the teacher. And I will call Jeff and say, we're going to do something with Golden Harvest. I need your help. And that led to a bunch of DVDs, Mm -hmm. and now it's leading to a really special spectacular Blu-ray that's coming from the Warner Archive collection that I'm really, really excited about. And it is Jackie Chan in Mr. Nice Guy. And most importantly, it is not just one version of the movie. It is two. And I'm going to turn it over to Jeff to explain the history behind this movie and why there are multiple versions. Well, like many Jackie Chan films in the 90s, uh, they were purchased for distribution in the United States by New Line Cinema, which is part of our family now. And Mr. Nice Guy falls in there, and it's in about the middle of, actually, it's the last theatrical release that New Line did of a Jackie Chan film, uh, of a Jackie Chan film that was made in Hong Kong, not counting Rush Hour was still to come. Right. Uh, Mr. Nice Guy was was a Hong Kong production made by Golden Harvest. It was shot in Australia. About 90% of it is actually in English, and it uh, was released in in Asia and uh, parts of the world in early 1997. But the interesting thing about that release is that in Hong Kong and I believe also in Taiwan and in mainland China, it was completely dubbed, even though it was shot in English, it was completely dubbed into Cantonese in Hong Kong and then also fully dubbed into Mandarin. So you have a lot of Western actors who are dubbed into Mandarin and Cantonese. 
And when New Line released their version, which is a bonus feature on this Blu-ray, they went to the film and they chopped uh, bits and pieces out throughout the film. It's about probably eight to ten minutes shorter in the New Line version. It has a completely new musical score. It has uh, new sound effects. So it's a and different... a new sound mix. That's right. Yes. And uh, it's, it's a different feel. The movie's the same, but there's a different feel to it. And the thing that's really special about this Blu-ray is that as far as I know, the only place that this version has been released is in Japan. There was a non-anamorphic DVD released in the early 2000s in Japan that had the original cut of the film. Actually, and to expand upon that, it's actually a slightly extended cut of the film because the Japanese versions, as they did with many Jackie Chan films, would add a scene or two to the original Hong Kong release. So this version has a scene that was exclusive to the Japanese market and also has a little uh, tribute to an executive, uh, publicity executive at the end of the film. So it's longer than the version that was seen originally in Hong Kong and the Chinese-speaking territories. It's the most complete version of the film. And it's in a beautiful new, a beautiful new scan from the 4K, uh, 4K, 4K scan from the negative. And I think that's kind of what I wanted to focus on is that we have an initiative here that soon after Mr. Nice Guy was completed, Golden Harvest was running into financial difficulties and Warner Brothers ended up purchasing a good portion, not all, but a good portion of the Golden Harvest Library, subject to certain films having been already licensed to third parties, including New Line. But whatever was licensed to New Line and might have reverted to Golden Harvest thereafter, if it's one of the ones that ended up being purchased by us, it reverts from one part of us to another. But the important thing to acknowledge here is that we realized that the Golden Harvest film elements are basically uh, a mess. And so part of the edict from corporate preservation is whenever we're working on a Golden Harvest production, we are to scan the original camera negative in 4K, 16-bit, for preservation purposes. And a raw 4K, 16-bit scan only gets you what's on the negative. It doesn't get you a beautiful Blu-ray. So that's where our colleagues at Warner Brothers Motion Picture Imaging step in and the color correction and the meticulous cleanup begins. And so we have this fantastic Blu-ray that gives you the version that Jeff was referring to earlier that was originally a non-anamorphic Japanese DVD that is now a beautiful Blu-ray. Now I'm going to press the pause button and ask you fine technical gentlemen to Maybe just take a step back and just for the sake of our listeners, let's just do sort of the idiot's guide. Who is Jackie Chan? Why is he important? And who is Sammo Hung? Because these are all crucial parts of this movie's story. Jackie Chan, for those that don't know, is probably, I would say, the biggest international star in the last 40 years. Uh, he's beloved all over the world. And as a fan of Jackie Chan's films and as a fan of Hong Kong movies in general, uh, when I discovered him, which was uh, nearly 30 years ago, seeing his films, and I thankfully got to see them in the Los Angeles area. They had Chinatown theaters where his films were being shown uh, with English subtitles, thankfully. There was really no experience like it. It was just a whole new world open. It's almost like going back to the beginning of the, the silent 
nightmare in seeing a Buster Keaton film or a Harold Lloyd or even a Chaplin film. The sheer amount of ingenuity in his movies, especially at his in his better movies, is just staggering. The cleverness, the intricacies, the physical acts, not only just the fighting, but the, the grace of the fighting and also the comedy that he throws in. He didn't invent, you know, martial, uh, martial arts comedy, but he perfected it. There's no doubt about absolutely. that. Absolutely. I, I mean, I, in the Buster Keaton thing, people bring yeah. it up a lot, but it's absolutely appropriate because Buster Keaton's genius for what was going to be seen on screen as they were shooting combined with his timing, combined with his physicality. I mean, Jackie is a great martial arts master himself, but he also has this innate sense of physical comedy and timing that makes his films different than anyone else. And my perception of it was that no one had ever married the two before because you had the 70s where kung fu was everything and martial arts was everything. Hey, but they were they were goofy slapstick martial arts movies, but they're not not at this level. Yeah, and he perfected it, I'd say. Right, and then sort of uh, extended it to kind of more everyman tales. Yes. But Sammo yeah, also. Who, who also did that. Well, Sammo Hung is, uh, I think Jackie would call him his big brother. He's a couple years older than Jackie. They both grew up together in uh, the same Peking Opera School because they didn't have any formal education. They were essentially sent into an, in, what amounted to indentured servitude and uh, – their parents signed contracts with the Peking Opera School in Hong Kong, and they didn't learn how to read and write, but they were trained in the art of Peking Opera, in acrobatics, in fighting, in singing, in dancing, and became you know grueling, grueling hours. There, there's, there's a movie called Painted Faces that kind of fictionalizes their story, but it's a, it was a very grueling existence. But in the long run, they became, you know, they, they, they actually appeared in films when they were children as well. So they've been around motion pictures and entertainment for nearly their whole lives. But Samo was called the big brother of the group. And he became a martial arts choreographer in probably around the late 60s, when he was still a teenager, I believe, and became a director in his own right in about the late 70s. He's directed multiple, dozens of films, uh, as many as Jackie has, probably more. And they have collaborated on many films together, and I believe Mr. Nice Guy might be their final collaboration, at least in terms of what Samo directed. So Samo did direct Mr. Nice Guy. Now, as a non-aficionado of this, my first knowledge of Jackie Chan was The Big Brawl. Was that his breakthrough film here in the U.S.? I think it was It was the first time that U.S. audiences have heard, had heard of him. He was a superstar in Asia two years before The Big Brawl when Drunken Master came out. That's the movie that really pushed him over the top. But, but it didn't come here. I believe it got a limited release just as maybe a Grindhouse film, But not in a major way. It was Big Brawl that kind of got yes. more attention. Right. And I believe that was originally released by Warner Brothers, correct? That is the truth. Those, I wish those... that we had retained the rights. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but that was the first time that I remembered taking note of him and suddenly like he was a big deal. And then, of course, worldwide stardom but really the film, obvious. The film that that broke him big in the U.S. was Rumble in the Bronx, and that was and that was New Line's initial Jackie Chan release. 
And that's where Jackie Chan went from, oh, there's this guy who does this thing to international superstar. It's sort of like, because he was a video store favorite. Right. My first Jackie movie was uh, Operation Condor and Drunken Master 2. Great movie. And that was well before this happened. So I was very excited yeah. when everyone loved Rumble yeah, in the Bronx. All, all of a sudden, <laughs> you could see Rumble. And I, I think I saw it in the, uh, the uh, man's Chinese at the I time. think that New Line's just whole modus operandi of finding films overseas because right. initially mm-hmm. they were distributing more films that were made by third parties than they were producing. And it was their success with those films that eventually led them to start producing. Rumble in the Bronx is really an American title. Right. Well, Jeff, why don't you tell us the history? Well, of- I'll go back a little bit right. further. Jackie, as I said, in the late 70s, became a superstar in, in Asia, mostly, partially around the world. And then after the big brawl, which was a relative disappointment, it didn't break him like I think they expected him to break like a Bruce Lee. Uh, he came back to Hong Kong and really perfected his craft, making movies like Police Story, Project Day, right. Armor of God in the 80s. And he was a superstar throughout the 80s. But towards the end of the decade and into the early 90s, his stars started to get eclipsed a little bit by what I call the two Chows. That was Chai Yun-Fat and Stephen Chow. In fact, Stephen Chow, to give you an idea how gigantic he was in Hong Kong in the early 90s, in 1992, the top five movies of the Hong Kong box office were all Stephen Chow films, mm. all five of them. So I think right after that, you know, when Chow peaked, Jackie thought, maybe I have to up my game. And I think what started to turn the tide was when he made Drunken Master 2 in 1994, which was a huge hit. And that was followed by Rumble in the Bronx, which was kind of, I believe, Golden Harvest really had in their minds to take him international, not necessarily to make a movie for the for the international audience, but to make an audience, particularly for the international audience, make a Hong Kong movie that the international audience could appreciate. I saw Rumble in the Bronx at a Chinatown theater uh, about a year before it came out. Uh, yeah. from, uh, New uh, from New Line. From New Line, yes. <laughs> several times. Huge amount of fun. And that movie was, was a smash hit. It became Hong Kong's biggest local film of all time. And then the following year, he made First Strike, which is technically Police Story 4, First Strike, uh, which became even bigger. And that was the highest grossing movie of all time in Hong Kong and remained so throughout the rest of the 20th century. It was just a massive hit. So Mr. Nice Guy is his follow-up to that. Similarly, also shot in Australia. First Strike was partially shot in Australia. As I said, this time mostly in English. Uh, It's funny because Mr. Nice Guy, I had seen it on a laser disc initially. Mm -hmm. And and so when you see when New Line put their version out, and I went to see that theatrically, it's a similar film, but there's little bits and pieces missing. As a Hong Kong aficionado, just like Rumble in the Bronx and First Strike, New Line cut them quite significantly. Mr. Nice Guy probably less than the other films. But there's little bits, things are moved around, there's bits missing at the end of scenes. As a f- aficionado, it's just it's absolute joy to be able to see this movie as it was initially made. I have a question that kind of came in through Twitter and social media. Media, especially for people who are fans, because this film, they worry a little bit about the presentation because it was shot in English, but then there's, you know, there's a dubbed version, then there's New Line. But the one that we have, it is in English, but when the characters are speaking Mandarin, subtitles appear. 
Yes, that's right. Yeah, the, the, all the scenes with Jackie and his girlfriend are in Mandarin. There's a teeny bit of Cantonese in one scene, but everything else is in English. But uh, subtitles will appear for those uh, bits in Mandarin and Cantonese. The errors of the past have been corrected. Uh, apparently, there was like a UK. They ran it on TV there and did not bother to subtitle. Well, one so of the one of the contributions to the confusion is a hybrid kind of popped up in the digital space uh, that is neither fish nor fowl. And that has led to more confusion about exactly, you know, what we're going to do. Right. And this is not the first Blu-ray with Jackie Chan from Warner Brothers Home Entertainment, but it is the first from Warner Archive. So we have a certain approach to films, which is to try to do the definitive edition, and that's why we enlisted the help of Jeff yes. and his expertise so that we got it right, and I hope that we did, and there is always a certain percentage of the populace out there that wants what they grew up watching on television mm -hmm. or what they're used to. So if you can give them, ideally, both options, mm -hmm. then you're covering all bases. So although it may be a bastardization in some ways, the New Line version is on this disc as a bonus feature. It is not a restoration. It is a high-definition master, but all the restoration work and all the restoration expense went into going to the original camera negative and presenting the most definitive version, which is the Hong Kong version plus the Japanese extra scene. Yes. And Hard. And to be clear, the new line in HD looks good, really good. Oh, it looks great. But the... And it, it sounds the, amazing. The extended international cut, whatever we want to call it, looks amazing. Yes, it, it's staggering. It looks better than when I saw it, certainly when I saw it on VHS oh, yeah, and laser. Yeah, it blew me away. What I like most is that the uh, giant mining truck looks more giant <laughs> and more capable of running people over yeah. than this, in any other Right, because this was from era where Jackie's movies always had a signature big machine scenes. Yes. <laughs> so when we announced that this was coming, there was shock among the uh, diehard fans that this was actually happening. It seemed like a dream come true. Now, Jeff, you know the diehard fans because you're one of them, but you happen to be privy to this because we talked to you about it before we started working on it. Would you say it's accurate that this is one of the films that people have really been dying for in this format? Oh, I, th I think any of the Jackie Chan films in Blu-ray, is there is a huge demand for them. And this is not our first one, but it's our first release in the United States because there is actually a we made a, and Warner Archive didn't make this, this was Warner Home, Home Entertainment, uh, made a same thing, a 4K scan of the original negative for the film Drunken Master 2. That got released in Asia, and it's an absolutely gorgeous, beautiful Blu-ray. Unfortunately, we do not, Warner Brothers does not have rights in the United States. So. Right, the rights had been sold off to a third party in the U.S. and Canada, so we could not release it here. Oh. And that's why it's not a Warner Archive release. However, our colleagues in the Warner Brothers Home Entertainment Japan office, where Jackie Chan is huge, 
huge in Japan. They were desperate for Drunken Master 2, which I believe is known as the Legend of the Drunken Master here that in the United the, States. That was the United States retitling was the Legend of Drunken Master. And it was released many years later? Yeah, it was released, I believe, in either 2000 or 2001, which was six or seven years after right. it initially mm-hmm. came out. It was my function to kind of act as a liaison between our Japanese colleagues and our preservation colleagues here to see if we could make that happen, and we did. I wish we could release it here in the U.S., but the important thing is it's out there, it was done right, and it was very, very successful for our Japan office. And I'll say, if anyone has seen that Dragon Master 2 Blu-ray, Mr. Nice Guy looks as good as that. It's magnificent. A testament to Warner Brothers Motion Picture Imaging and the wonderful work that they do. We're very, very proud of that. And that leads to the next question that I know a lot of people out there are wondering about. Will we revisit Rumble in the Bronx and First Strike in their original Hong Kong versions? And the answer to that is... We hope so. We can't make any promises. But uh, if Mr. Nice Guy does well, we've told you these things before, but if you support a release, it will lead to more. And we've seen that happen with Popeye. We've seen that happen with some of our other classics Mm -hmm. from the 30s. If there is audience support in the sales department, it will lead to future releases. So if you want an authentic rumble in the Bronx and first strike, which means we'd call it Police Story 4, right? Right. Okay. If you want to see that happen and you also want to get a wonderful Jackie Chan movie that is also a Sammo Hung-directed classic in its purest form, you have to go for Mr. Nice Guy. I'm already picturing the vintage poster that could grace the Blu-ray. Now, speaking of vintage posters and Jeff... Jeff, tell us what it's like going through the Golden Harvest (laughs) photo and poster archives. Well, uh, we do have a great number of Golden Harvest posters, thankfully. And that's we actually scanned many of those a few years back. And I'm happy to say that we used artwork from the poster for the cover of the Blu-ray. And uh, we have a bunch of lobby cards as well. In terms of photography, we do not have that much material. Most of what you see, the vintage artwork, comes from the lobby cards and the posters, which are Mm. awesome. Great pieces of artwork that Golden Harvest put out in the days, back in the days. So you were going through the palettes looking yes. looking for the goodies. It wasn't the best organized, but <laughs> but for someone like me who's actually probably seen about half of the films in our library, uh, it was easier for me to go through and uh, and and inventory them. These are like the when you see like something like Storage Wars. I want it to be like you open something up and you're like, oh, look, it's the Golden Harvest poster collection. I just imagine going in there for days and days. It was it was fun. I have a question that's mostly rhetorical because I'm sure none of us know the answer. But I'm just wondering, when Mr. Nice Guy came out, was Iron Chef already on the air? I don't think so. Uh, Probably in Japan. No, you know. Not um, here. No, no. You know what? San Francisco ran it. Like okay. in the 90s, you could pick it up on TV, and I know people who religiously watched it. Okay, because I only say that because if you like martial arts and cooking, Mr. Nice Guy is the film for yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think, too, for anyone who hasn't seen Mr. Nice Guy, it's certainly from a Jackie Chan standpoint, plot-wise, it's probably one of the the uh, most inconsequential plots. <laughs> but, but that doesn't matter. It's a it, MacGuffin it's, movie. It's... Is functional enough to hang some incredible sequences on it. There's a great chase through the streets on a carriage. Yeah. There's a wonderful uh, fight scene 
actually probably the highlight of the film is the fight at a construction site that is – and I hadn't watched it in about probably well over 10 years. And seeing it again, it's incredible. It's just – it's magnificent. And keep your eyes peeled for a Sammo Hung cameo. Oh, yes. That's yeah. right. He's on a bicycle. <laughs> that's right. The, a, a pedicab? No, no. Oh, if only. If only. <laughs> when you watch the construction fight scene, you'll see how brilliant it is. And it was so brilliant that about two years after Mr. Nice Guy came out, uh, I went to see an Indian movie in the theater. And there was a shot-for-shot shot remake of the entire fight in the middle of this uh, pretty, pretty uh, well, at least uh, uh, for India, well-known uh, movie. So if you're going to steal, you steal from the best. Right. Also, a uh, shout-out to Richard Norton, who it plays the villain in Mr. Nice Guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and really gives a nice flair, probably more than was required of him to be the uh, very entertaining villain. And he had been in previous uh, Jackie Chan and Samuel Hung films of the past. If any fans are out there, he was he was the villain in Jackie Chan's City Hunter. He also had an incredible fight with Samuel Hung in uh, Twinkle Twinkle Little Stars. Or tw- sorry, excuse me, Twinkle Twinkle Lucky Stars Lucky from the, from the eighties. And another piece of trivia: he used to be Abba's bodyguard. Oh, so boy. if you watch, if you ever see. Abba, of the movie, you can see him in the background in some scenes. So maybe those. Uh, so take sh- a chance on him. <laughs> <laughs> he really filled out those shoulder pads in his <laughs> mid '90s suit so well, but that's all real. That's oh, what you're saying. There's a lot of great mid '90s wardrobe in Mr. Nice Guy. Uh, worth it for that alone. <laughs> yes. And hairdos. Oh my. Yes. Well, Jeff, we want to thank you for coming by today and joining us here on the Warner Archive podcast. And we want to thank you for your support of our efforts because we couldn't do a lot of the things we do without you. Well, I'm happy to help. And also, I must say part of it is for selfish reasons, because at the end of the day, there's a new (laughs) Blu-ray of Mr. Nice Guy of the original version, uh, or excuse me, the original extended version that uh, (laughs) I can enjoy as well as everybody else. We used Jeff's own personal copy of the Japanese non-anamorphic DVD as our reference for the content to make sure we weren't missing, missing anything. Oh. So we would have had to make it a lot harder to have a reference we, source if it wasn't for Jeff. Or, or we could have just sent Jeff to Japan. Yeah, we could have done that too. We, they, can, they we can just, talk about that. Like, we can still do that. <laughs> <laughs> In any event, thank you so much for joining us, and thank you all for listening to this Warner Archive Collection podcast. We'll see you soon.